Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Tuesday morning to each and every one of you. We welcome you, as always, to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a to high noon Eastern time. You can follow us on YouTube. That's on the Chatterbox Sports page. You can also join us in podcast form. Just search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman, and you're dialed in. Baseball's funny game. You play teams you think you should beat or at least compete with, i.e. Pittsburgh, you get swept. The next day, you're playing a team that's an overwhelming favorite, Texas, and you win. That was a case for the Red Legs last night. They were trailing 6-4 in the eighth. And unbelievably draw back-to-back walks <laughs> with the bases loaded to tie the game. If I'm Bruce Bochy, I find the guy. <laughs> I'd have to find an ATM that had a high limit, throwing breaking balls on three two counts. So they tie in the eighth, a couple of bases loaded walks, and then TJ Friedel, the base hit in the ninth, seven six. The final, just over 8,000 were there to watch that last night. Game two of the series is tonight. Luke Weaver making his second start since going into the rotation for the Red Legs. Against Martin Perez, first pitch at 640. And gentlemen, tickets are available. That's a certainty. The winds just keep on coming down in St. Pete as the Tampa Bay Rays won their 14th consecutive home games to start a season. That is a major league record in an 8-3 decision over Houston. Undoubtedly, the biggest story in sports, the trade of Aaron Rodgers. It finally happens to the New York Jets. Green Bay sends Rodgers, the 15th pick in this year's draft, and a fifth-round pick in next year's draft to the Jets. In return, for the 13th pick in this year's draft, a second-round pick in this year's draft, a sixth-round pick in this year's draft, and a conditional second-round pick in next year's draft that could become a first-round pick if Aaron Rodgers plays 65% of the Jets' offensive snaps this season. Jets legend Joe Willie Namath said Rodgers could wear his retired number 12 jersey, but Rodgers is going to wear the number he wore in college at Cal. That's number eight. In the NBA, good news for the top seed Milwaukee. Giannis returned last night at 26 points, 13 rebounds. The bad news, Milwaukee lost. Jimmy Butler. Tell you what, man. That dude is a gamer. That dude is a gamer. Had the game of his life last night. 56 points sending Miami, the eighth seed, to a three games to one lead in their best of seven opening round series. Then there's another gamer who grew up just outside of Akron, Ohio. And that would be LeBron James. He has LA a win away from advancing over the number two seed Memphis. The 38-year-old James tied the game with less than a second remaining in regulation. He added four more points in overtime. Lakers win 117-111. James had the first 2020 game. 20 points, 20 rebounds, 
of his 20-year career. And you pointed out, Casey, that your homeboy did not uh, even talk to the media after the game last night. I'm out. I mean, he's not our homeboy. I think that's your guy. No, it is your guy. Poke the bear. Wanted to poke the bear. LeBron. What's his name? Dylan Dylan Brooks. Brooks. Yeah, no show for the media. Nope. He goes straight into the clown department. I have no problem with a guy talking smack. No problem at all. In fact, I highly endorse it. But if you're going to talk smack and then you get your lunch, you better be standing there waiting on the press at your locker after the game. Lame, lame, lame. Tonight, Boston, Denver, and Phoenix will have a chance to close out their respective opening round series in the NHL. New Jersey, Toronto, Las Vegas, Seattle each picked up wins last night. Three games tonight, including Carolina, who can close out the Islanders in Game 5. All right, coming up on the show today, legendary writer from the Cleveland Plain Dealer, Mary Kay Cabot, to talk about the Cleveland Browns. The Brownies! Loading up. Yuck. Going to go toe-to-toe with the Bengalis in the AFC North this year, Casey. They stink, Tom. And they will continue to stink. This interview is not going to change my mind, no matter what she says. Mary Kay is pretty persuasive. She's on her game. I know she's on her game. So we have her joining us. We'll also be joined by Bill Michaels. I mean, he is everything that is Wisconsin sports. Most popular radio talk show host in the entire state of Wisconsin. Uh, He has been uh, following for uh, decades the Green Bay Packers. He'll join us today to talk about the Aaron Rodgers deal. And, of course, the first of two visits. Best 30 minutes in television. The Tracer. Did, did he give you some text or anything? He's not showing up today? or No, no, nothing. We're he, good with Tracer? We're, we're good. We should be good. How about Aaron Rodgers? Our, Off to the pack. From the pack to the Jets. We knew it was coming. It finally happens. Any thoughts? I've seen a lot of people with mixed reviews. People think... The Jets got fleeced. People think that the Packers got fleeced. Um, I think it's relatively a fair trade. As long as Rodgers plays, of course. You know, that that's always a, a stipulation with these sort of trades for players. Um, but, you know, they tr- they swap first-round picks. Um, yep. that, that just gives them one extra team. Or, like, they, they jump over a team now, which is, you know... I don't know how much that really does, but that had some value to it. And then, you know, they got two second round picks at pretty high, or the pretty high in the second round in the 40s, early 40s. And uh, the conditional second, or the conditional first, second, uh, or the second that turns into a first, that's probably going to happen. Um, I think that that's enough ammunition for the Packers to do some damage in this draft and then go get your quarterback next year. Um, if Jordan Love doesn't work out. Yep. And uh, it works out perfectly for the, the Jets as long as uh, Rodgers plays, if you ask me. I mean, he's going to – I think he's going to do a lot better in New York than he will with the Packers last season. When you dive into stats and everybody was down on Rodgers last year, he won the MVP the year before. Right. I mean, he didn't all of a sudden just stink overnight. Staring Rodgers. 
And looking up some of the numbers, he was basically in about the middle of the pack last year for quarterbacks, roughly. Now, we saw a lot of games where you're used to seeing him make great passes, right, pinpoint. His accuracy was not nearly as good last year. But look, it's still Aaron Rodgers. Um, the question becomes, uh, and we'll talk with Bill about this, but I want to bounce this off you guys um, before we lead into Bill, or maybe we'll do it after. We'll see. Um, Rodgers is joining the AFC where clearly the balance of power, as far as quarterbacks are concerned, has swung heavily to the AFC side, right? Burrow, Mahomes, Allen, now Rodgers, Herbert to a slightly lesser extent. Uh, I still think Russell Wilson has some good years left in him. A lot of people may not. Uh, Lamar Jackson is still here. Deshaun Watson is still here. This is a heavy, heavy uh, talent-laden group in the AFC. Does Rodgers automatically? I mean, this was a team 29th in the NFL in offense last year. Okay, and they had a bunch of guys in and out of quarterback, right? We know that including your guy, Zach Wilson. You were talking him up, Casey. Um, you know, now all of a sudden, <laughs> it was easy, easy shot. Uh, all of a sudden, I mean, are they in the hunt? Are they a team you look at and you say, they are in the hunt to run with the big boys? Because their defense, like the Bengals' defense, was good enough last year to get to a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, Tom, as long as, like I said, as long as Rodgers plays, I think they have a serious chance at at least competing in their own division. I think they have a serious chance at winning their division. I don't know about, it's just so tough when you look at the AFC. I mean, Chiefs up top, Bengals right there with them, Bills right in behind the Bengals. Um, Miami has a really explosive offense in their own division. The Chargers are right there. The Jags, up and coming. I mean, there, there's there's just a lot of teams in, in this AFC that you could potentially see competing. And so it's just tough to say. I think there's a good chance that they can win their division. I'm not going to crown them the Super Bowl favorites in the offseason. Not by a long shot. But... When you look at their team, they have a top five defense. They have a lot of weapons. They have a running back returning back from injury who was playing really, really well. They still got their uh, 15th pick overall in the draft. They could probably do some damage with that if they yep. wanted to. Um, as of right now, I think the Jets are in a really good spot to not only just compete, but improve. Like, they, they didn't really – if you ask me, they didn't lose a lot this year to – like, we'll, we'll, we'll just see. In the well, draft, I mean, right? I think we all agree there are still some moves that are probably coming following this for sure now you have Aaron Rodgers. That was all the talk there for a long time. Right. There were free agents out there, whether it was Lewis at tight end, whether some other guys that, that once they got this deal done – that they were now going to start to bring in more players. They had already brought in Lazard. You already got Garrett Wilson there, right? Yep. Yep. They got Brees Hall, who's a really good running back, but he's coming back from a serious knee injury. I mean, they got some pieces now, but they finished last in their division last year. Dead last. Yeah. Did you see Brees Hall tweeted, I think my knee's feeling a little better? 
<laughs> oh, did he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I understand why. Uh, I, I got one thing for you guys, and this is not directly Aaron Rodgers related, but it's NFL draft related. Also, I apologize. I had barely slept last night. I have something stuck in my right eye, and I can't get it out. I don't know what's going on, uh, but I, I'm all right. The number one and number two overall picks have been taken off every draft board on betting sites because Will Levis moved from 50 to 1 to 21 to 1 to 10 to 1 overnight to go number one overall. And now that's just, you can't even bet on it anymore. Got taken off the board. You're kidding me. Yeah. yeah. Apparently. Will odds, Levis. The odds shifted so fast, it got taken off the board. That, that Wonderlick test, man. The t- <laughs> it, kill, it killed CJ Stroud. It killed it. He's falling out of the top three, Tom. 18%. Well, I tell you what. If you guys want to have our own little um, uh, bookie operation inside the Chatterbox Studios here in uh, Hamilton, Ohio, I will gladly take that bet for anyone who wants to give it up. (laughs) What? That Stroud will go in the top three picks. I'll take that, and you guys can have the rest. I mean, the odds must be really high now at this point, right? If Will Levis is already... 10 to 1 for the first first pick not not just in the top 5 or whatever the first pick in the draft these are 1 to 10 odds from 1 to 50 yeah so I mean, so it went so yeah so overnight it went from 50 to 1 to 10 to 1 and now you, it it moves so fast that it's off the board god you just know that there's rumors or they they know something they've talked to one of those teams and- no, you're right about that they do know something. Vegas doesn't just shift those no, odds. No, they no don't. Reason. Unless it's women's basketball. That's true. On the Betfred Sportsbook, C.J. Stroud is plus 350 to go number three overall. He's okay. plus, two, plus 210 to go fourth overall. You can pick specifically where they get drafted. At. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can, pick mm-hmm. by, you can bet by pick. That's interesting. I'll take a look at that. Tight end is the favorite for the Bengals draft pick position plus 160 db is plus 220 offensive lineman is third at plus 380 then it goes all the way to defensive lineman at plus 1100 wait a minute say that again now that, tight end that, first. come on now wait a second hold on a second say that there's again. gotta be some decent value there right wait a minute say that again tight end is the favorite at plus 160 which the Bengals have uh i think it is drafted what uh two or three tight ends in, uh, in the first round in their history but you got to go back to 13 for tyler eifert if I'm not mistaken, I thought I read today that over the last 10 or 12 years, there has only been a handful of number one draft picks that are tight ends. The yeah. three lowest, fewest picks in the first round in order of positions are number one, tight end. Number two, center. Number three, running backs. Yeah. I think you're right about that one, Tom. Uh, okay, yeah. so... So tight end is the favorite at plus 160. I'm not buying it. Then DB is plus 220. That's number two. Yep. Then offensive lineman is third at plus 380. see that. But it jumps to plus 1,100 for a defensive lineman. There, that's some value right there. Just defensive lineman, not just any rusher or – I think that would – I mean, I, I think that counts. I mean, you're getting plus eleven hundred for a, a defensive lineman. You're getting two positions there. I, that to me seems like the bet. I would, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not betting. I'm not betting tight end at plus one sixty. I'm not betting offensive lineman at plus three eighty. 
the defensive only... lineman at plus eleven hundred. Yeah, that seems that seems all right. Yeah, I agree. I I like the the odds for the defensive lineman a lot. I think what you could do, even if you if you want to at least try to win some money and cover yourself, like hedge hedge your bet. Yeah, you bet your your unit size on the cornerbacks, right? And you take whatever you're going to win from the cornerbacks group and you just divide it in however many times you want to put it into other groups, position groups, and you put that in – like what, what I'm going to do more than likely, I'm going to put a unit on the corners. And then whatever my winnings are, I'm going to put it in the defensive lineman group and just, you know – I'll cover myself. I see, what you, I, mean, I see what you're saying. You know, I'll cover I see what myself. You're uh, yeah, yeah. Like I, I won't be too upset if they if they pick a corner. I, I'll break even. But if they pick a uh, defensive lineman, then you're in real good business. You know yeah, what I mean? I, yeah, I see what you mean. Well, I have sent uh, Miss Cabot a uh, another email at two different addresses, and I have yet to hear back. Hmm. Uh oh. Hmm. Let's see if she's emailed me. I've not received anything from her. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Well, we still have lots to talk about. Anyways. Yes, we do. I want to get back to this thing, though, about uh, continue this conversation with the Bengals because I thought it was very interesting yesterday. When you're talking about offensive line. I mean, look, this is what it boils down to here, okay? And, and – it is a great problem to have for a unit that has just been blistered and raked across the coals for the better part of two years, including last year when they were started 15 games in a row after the terrible start, first two games of the year against the Steelers and the Cowboys. But look, you know you're set at left tackle. You just brought in Brown. You know you're set at center and right guard. I think there's going to be competition for the left guard position. I don't think Volson's a slam dunk to win that job. Right. I think if they can get somebody in there to at least compete with him, I think that they, there will be competition there. All right, but now it comes to the place that everybody's talked about, including here on Off the Bench, all offseason, okay? And that's right tackle. So let's start with option one, Jonah Williams, who after Brown was signed, immediately within hours came out and says, I want out of here. I want to be a left tackle. I don't want to move to right tackle because Brown's playing left tackle. All right? But he's still under contract for $12.5 million. Okay? He is option one. You just tell him, hey, you want to sit out? Sit out. You do whatever you want to do. Or you make the move and try and win a Super Bowl as a starting right tackle. You want to go back to left tackle after that as a free agent knock yourself out. Okay. That's number one. Number two. Jackson Carmen. Jackson Carmen played very well when given the chance to play left tackle last year after all the injuries. Right. He did a solid job. It's his third year in the league now. He's going to be working out exclusively or almost exclusively at tackle. We saw tremendous improvement from this young man. After a disappointing rookie year, he lost the job at left guard last year going into the season to Bolson, right? A rookie. Everybody's down on him. Then he got a chance to play a little bit. And not too shabby going back to tackle where he played in college. So he's option two. Then there's Lyle Collins, 
who, of course, the Bengals brought in, big money free agent last year. He comes out yesterday and says, if there was a game tomorrow, he could put on a brace and go out and play. That's how quickly he's recovering. Now, whether or not you buy that or not, yeah, it's up to you. But the big fella came out there and said, I was hurt last year. I'm already healthier right now than I was at any point in time last year when I started 15 games in a row. Right? Right. All right, there's option three. So option four, you're going to go draft the guy in the first round at right tackle, which is I know what you want to do. Yeah. I mean, I mean think about this for a second now. Yep. You've got actually in order of the way it would play out. I just gave three options. But the order would be, one, Williams goes to right tackle. Two, Collins is back healthy enough, and he proves it to you, where if you then wanted to deal Williams, deal it. Collins comes back. Three is, okay, you got Carm. Three years in a league now. But you want to go out with all of those options. You want to go out and draft Dewan Jones from the Ohio State University. I do. I do. I 100% do. And it, maybe it's not – none of the offensive linemen in this draft are your Quentin Nelsons where they come out and they're just a slam dunk and top five pick. And that's obvious because none of them are getting that traction. I think all of them have flaws. I think all of them have uh, – some growth that needs to happen, right? And I think specifically for Dewan Jones, that growth is more just staying in shape. <laughs> I mean, the dude has something you can't teach, size and length, that when he gets beat, he doesn't really get beat because he's shoving the guy deep into the backfield when the guy tries to run around him or he just gets swallowed up by him. I mean, it... I think people are really down on Dewan Jones just because of the not testing thing and that he's got this weight issue surrounding him. And all that was speculation during his pro day that he might be overweight. And the fact that he didn't test, to me, why would you test if you were going to already test poorly, right? Because at that size... The agility drills, you're going to test at the bottom percentile for a lot of those anyways. So why would he even risk losing draft stock by performing in those tests anyways? If you're looking at it from his perspective. Okay. So. But let me ask you this. Yeah. As it's pointed out in the chat, Steve Ross says, Dewan Jones has a potential bust. Because of all these things we're talking about, right? There's a potential. I hope the guy yeah. goes out and plays 15 years as a starter, and he's one of the best offensive linemen in the league. Right. He seems like a good dude, and and and, and I'm rooting for him. Um, but you have those other options that I just laid out. And Collins was really upbeat yesterday. Very positive. You know, now you can say, well, he's just saying all the right things. I, I, I don't think that Lyle Collins was going to walk in that door and say, hey, I feel this, this, and this if he didn't mean it or believe it. I think this guy's got a chance, and somebody pointed it out in the chat, and I agree. If this guy's healthy, I think that he could be the player you thought you were getting before last year. Yeah, I agree with that. This guy was a Pro Bowl player. 
not last year, but he's been a Pro Bowl player. This guy is a player, right? And he's used right. to playing right tackle. Yeah, I get If I, I know I have him, if I know I have Williams, if I know I have Carmen, why am I going to roll the dice on a first-round pick at right tackle? Well, here's the other thing, too, that we're not thinking about either. We were fine up until week 15, and then we started dropping like flies, and we had no depth. True. The, the, what you're saying right now does make a lot of sense to me, but the fact that it was three major ligaments, the ACL, PCL, and MCL, yep. all torn, that's – I just have great hesitate. Like, I, I'm, I'm very weary of those types of injuries. Okay. He says he's feeling healthy. I'll wait to till camp to know otherwise to see how he truly is doing. But to me, I, I'm so out on Williams. I don't think he should be an offensive tackle. And I know a lot of people that are very deep into film analysis will tell you otherwise. But there's got to be something said to where a guy just is not clutch when it matters. And in the AFC North, where you got guys like Miles Garrett who just bully him, you got guys like TJ Watt that just bully Williams because of the size, you completely negate the size factor with DeWan Jones. What yes, about Carmen? Carmen, I I'm not out on Carmen either, but to me, what what besides the two games that he's shown in the playoffs, which we're not saying were slam dunk games either. He just played average and sometimes even below average on those games he gave you a little hope that maybe he could come in and start but to me he's the backup swing tackle and then you're looking at maybe getting rid of uh the uh the other swing tackle i can't remember ford ford ford's uh the backup they got this year yep. what's the guy who who played Oh, much. yeah, 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 yeah. Why am I drawing a blank? Akeem Adenogy. Yeah, Adenogy. You just get right. rid of Adenogy. He's shown you nothing, in my opinion. And I don't know. I think that solidifies your depth on the O-line. You've got players that are big, can do a lot of things, that are AFC North-style offensive linemen, if you ask me. Dewan Jones is an AFC North-styled offensive lineman where he can – just dominate the guy in front of him, get you tough yards, okay. and, you know, do really hell of a good job pass blocking. Okay. All right. But I, I do understand where you're coming from. I really I'm do. just saying I think that when you look at the depth there, and obviously I don't know what has, ha that has happened to uh, Mary Kay Cabot. I hope everything's okay with her. It's the first thing you think of because she's generally very dependable, very reliable, so I'm not going to sit here and rip her. Uh, I'd rip most people, but I'm not going to rip her because uh, she has a track record. Back of a bubblegum card, as we like to say. Right. So hopefully everything is okay with her. We will be joined by uh, Bill Michaels coming up at uh, about 1040 to talk about the um, Aaron Rodgers trade. But uh, again, look, I I'm just sitting here saying I've got really good options here at right tackle. Really good. And I hear you about the depth, and I hear you about Jones. I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying. Um, I'm just saying when I look at corner, you're getting longer in the tooth there. 
just like Lyle Collins, even though Awuzie's injury occurred earlier in the season and he's had more time to rehab and he's already running around and jumping around. Looks like he's going to be back. You got Hilton, who's a year older. So, you know, Apple's gone. Uh, they brought in Sidney Jones. Uh, you know, look, Sidney Jones at one time, everybody thought this guy, um, oh, here it is right now. Uh, an important Browns call came in. She said she had to, to take it. Said, uh, could we possibly do it? Um, 11.45, no. She says, I can't do tomorrow. So we'll, we'll get her on tomorrow. All right. So it's nice of her. Like I said, that's why you don't rip people when they have a track record. Um, so um, where was I? So, okay, so the cornerback thing, uh, and, and then you're going with a young, Taylor, uh, a, a young uh, player in Taylor Britt. That's going to start full-time for the first time. Yep. Right? Okay. So you, you, you've got, I wouldn't call that good depth there. Not good depth. And then there's the injury thing, right? Okay, now you go to defensive line. Now, um, do you want to create pressure from the outside? Which... An edge rusher, we all agree. They did not get to the quarterback enough last year. I don't want to hear about pressures. You know, they, they, that, that stat, QB pressures. That, that stat's for losers. <laughs> the stat is sacks. That's the stat. And quarterback hits. Not pressure. You may even feel a little pressure. He steps up in the pocket. Bang. 15-yard reception to Kelsey over the middle. Right. Okay. Quarterback hit. You have a chance to... Hit him while he's throwing, he fumbles, he throws a pick, throws an incompleted pass. Those are the two stats that matter. Hits, sacks. Or do you come up with another guy who creates unbelievable pressure in the middle, i.e. Chris Jones, right, with Kansas City, okay, yep. which allows now, you know, maybe some, you know, the Hendricksons and the Hubbards and, and uh, why am I drawing a blank on the guy who committed the penalty – Outside. Guys like that to get to the quarterback, right? You free right. up more bodies for them to beat their man and get to the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, so. And to, we haven't even talked about running back, by the way. Right. And to be fair to people in the chat that are calling me clueless and an idiot, that I just want to clarify, Dewan Jones is not my top prospect. I think he's my top offensive lineman prospect, and I think that's where the Bengals should go, but that's not where they're going to go. I think that's very clear after a lot of the interviews. Unless the right guy falls to them, they're not going to take offensive linemen, which cornerbacks at that position at 28 make a lot of sense. Emmanuel Forbes is right there probably. Um, you're looking at Cam Smith. You're looking at maybe Deontay Banks falling to you. All those I think would make this cornerback room elite, especially if Awuzie is back and healthy. Um I really think the more and more we get down closer to it, a edge rusher is going to fall to them. And they're going to have to make a difficult choice because there's going to be a guy, at least on the defensive side, that will be able to start when they, when they are at 28. If you ask me, there's going to be a guy that falls to them, edge rusher, corner, whoever. They're going to have to make a decision that... Well, a corner you know, right now wouldn't start. Well, I'm saying they would, they could start. Like they that, could that's start. Yeah, quality. you're getting a player who's capable of being a starting player day one. Right. right. And 
that's going to be the tough decision for them to make because when they make that, when they pull that trigger, that is then pushing the guys that are going to be coming off of their contracts into, you know, the free agency market. So you get a guy like Emmanuel Forbes, you're probably losing out on Wouzier next year. If you get a guy like Will McDonald, which I really love, who could probably fall to us, um, you're probably looking at maybe not getting back Reeder or Hendrickson or Hubbard. I don't know which one's coming. Well, first, Hubbard, Hubbard is still, I mean, he's only in his, what, fourth year? Well, he's in his third year in his contract. Yeah, I yeah, think. yeah. So I don't know. I think he's got either one or two more years left. But anyways, my point is that's a difficult decision for them to make. I know that that is what they did last year with Jesse Bates. They're going to pick the best player available on their board. And I think if they were smart about it, it would be on defense because of just how much they've already lost on defense. They need to restock. They need to think about their future there. The offense to me, like the only thing missing is – is one offensive lineman, and I think they're they're in a really good spot. If you ask me, they're in a really good spot. But on defense in the future, well, I know that Reader is a free agent after this coming year. That I know. Yeah. But you know, I mean, look, he he's a hell of a player, and uh, you know, he he draws a lot of attention, a lot of double teams, all that kind of thing. You know, the argument can be made. You put another reader kind of player in there. B.J. Hill's done a nice job, but you know what I'm saying. You put yeah. another massive body who can, can you know, get that push up through the middle. You're opening up spots for maybe lesser pass rushers to get to the quarterback. And I'm not going to say Osai can't be an excellent pass rusher. Very athletic. Um you know, he might be a guy that, that we're infrequently talking about around here, but who could all of a sudden be that guy that, that ramps up to another level for this upcoming season because he did come on strong last year. The same thing with a Carter guy. I don't know enough about him. You know, we haven't seen enough because they didn't play a ton until the end of last year, right? right. Okay, well, where are they going to be this year? Maybe they're, you know, these are the things that Zach Taylor talked about at his press conference yesterday. He talked about, you know, um, about how guys make the leap and, and quote-unquote player development and they're coachable and all these kinds of things. Um, and, and yet, here we are, we're talking about all these different positions. And as I said, the one we have yet to even bring up. Because the two thinnest positions in the room, the meeting rooms, as we sit here today, are tight end. They brought back Sample, but they got Irv Smith Jr., right? Right. And running back. Technically, they still have Mixon, yes. Do I think they'll end up redoing his deal? Yes. But you got Mixon and then two guys that never play. Doesn't mean they can't be any good, but you got two guys that never play. Right? Right. Okay. So those are the two positions that as we sit here right now have the most pressing need to get filled. You may say, well, the running back room, not as much. Because Mixon's going to come back, and Mixon's still a good player. And I loved our conversation yesterday with uh, our guy, uh, Zim Huda. He made very strong, solid, foundational points about Mixon as a player. Third best pass-catching running back in the NFL last year. Third most receptions, fifth most yards. 
missed a number of games, uh, never had the, the, the bust out outside of the big touchdown game against, I think it was Atlanta or Carolina. I can't remember which. But um, he's still a good player. But he wasn't on the field in a lot of situations where you're asking him uh, and you're paying him to be on the field. You know, they're looking for that home run guy. Right? Right. Break the line of scrimmage, beat a linebacker, gone. 40 years, 40 yards. They're looking for that guy? Or are they looking for a bruiser in there? And I love what Zach Taylor said yesterday about, you know, about don't pigeonhole yourself into believing that because a guy is a big guy, that that makes him a really good uh, pass protector uh, as a running back. As he pointed out, I mean, Giovanni Bernard was one of the best pass protecting guys in a league. He was not a big guy. You got to want to do it. You got to know how to do it. You got to commit yourself to doing it. And there are some small guys that do all those things. There are some big guys that don't do any of those things. There are some big guys that do all those things and some little guys that want nothing to do with it. So he said, don't box yourself in to believe in just because a running back's a big guy physically that that means he's going to be a really good pass protector, in this case, for Joe Burrow. Is uh, Bill here? We're working on it. Okay. All right. Um, and again, uh, Mary Kay wrote us. And something came up, a very important Browns call she had to be on, and she will join us, she says, uh, tomorrow. Um, anything else I'm missing here? Um, everybody keeps bringing up Kareem Hunt. All right, he ain't coming here. Well, I shouldn't say he's not. I mean, I, look, I'm not on the inside in the offices down there at Paycor Stadium, but uh, if they were bringing in Kareem Hunt, I would have thought that he would have been here by now. Don't you? Yeah, probably by this point. Well, and that's the whole – now, you know, making deals, doing all these things before the draft, get yourself settled. You would think that all of those things would be in place and settled by this point at least. All right. Uh, Tim says he still thinks the Bengals are going to draft a tight end in the first round and a running back in the second round. And Alex keeps talking about the big fellow Smith from Michigan. A uh, big dude, lot like a reader guy, uh, and an excellent player. Uh, but I love Ronnie Smith's line. We want ring chasers. That's what you need. In a nutshell, ring chasers. Guys that want to lay it all on the line, because as we've talked about on this program so many, many, many times, and will many, 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 many more times, this team is not players away. They are plays away from winning Super Bowls. The last two years, you could pick five plays out of the game, and you could say that with a lot of NFL games, right? Especially when you get to a championship game and a Super Bowl game. But Anonymous, good morning. Whoever Anonymous is, good morning. Um, but, you know, you're now at a point where uh, you don't dismiss Buffalo. You don't dismiss Baltimore. You don't dismiss Pittsburgh or Cleveland or anybody like that. The Bengals are not at that level. They're not the, the New England Patriots under Tom Brady. But your eyes, in terms of measuring yourself, they're on one place and one place only. And that's the Kansas City Chiefs. 
because you can say whatever you want to say about the Kansas City Chiefs and all that Burrowhead nonsense. They are the Kansas City Chiefs. They've been to three Super Bowls. They've won two in the last four years. End of story. You know, the case in point, we were talking about this Bengals defense good enough to win a Super Bowl last year, right? Look what Kansas City's offense did against that highly rated, led the NFL in sacks, Philadelphia defense in the Super Bowl. They scored almost 40 points in that game. They couldn't get to 25 against the Bengals. Twice. And yet the offense let them down. Ronnie says he's not worried about Kansas City. Sir Boy Wonder, come on now. He says, Tom, we beat them uh, in their house. Stop acting like they're the almighty team we haven't beaten. And OJ's 94 Bronco. He's, he's become a regular. Says Bengals show. own Kansas City. Okay. All right. They own Kansas City. Is that accurate? I don't think so. Is that accurate? You own them? The last time you played them, you lost. I might be wrong on that. Right? Am I wrong? The last time they played them, they lost. The time before that, they played them was at home. The time before that, they played them was at home. The time before that, they played them, AFC Championship game in Kansas City. Bengals won the game. So they're one and one when it matters. Because, it, it, you know, the regular season stuff is nice. But they're one and one when it matters. That is not ownership in any shape or form. And the bottom line is, as I said, the Chiefs have been to three Super Bowls. They've won two. They have the league MVP at quarterback. And end of story. I mean, this stuff about three and one again. Again, irrelevant. Irrelevant. Think about it this way. You beat them two years in a row during the regular season. Did you get to play at home in the championship game? No. You played them two years in a row in the AFC championship in their building and went one and one. Now, look, I mean, the Bengals got to a Super Bowl. But, guys, don't go off the reservation on me here now. Okay, there are a lot of smart people in this chat and watch this show. Don't go off the reservation. The Bengals are 1-1 one and one against Kansas City when it matters. Yeah, they're 3-1 and one against them if you throw in two regular season games. But what matters is when you play them to go to a Super Bowl. Matt, and they're 1-1. One one. Matt Bailey says, trust the process, Tom. Yeah, there it is. Trust <laughs> the process. All right. Uh, is Bill ready to go? He is ready. He is kind enough to join us. Bill Michaels, I mean, if you want to know anything going on in the state of Wisconsin – uh, and right now, undeniably, the biggest story in Wisconsin, the trade, finally, Billy, of Aaron Rodgers. Did you think it was finally going to happen uh, before the draft? I, I thought it would happen before the draft, yeah. Um, I figured maybe the day before, you know, the draft got underway, but I figured it would probably get done because the Packers had zero incentive after day two to trade Aaron Rodgers because well, you would hang on to him and then until June 1st so you can spread out that cap hit and the Jets wanted him in camp 
So the Packers were kind of in the catbird. Everybody kept saying the Jets are in the catbird seat, and that wasn't true because they didn't realize that you can spread that cap money out if you hang on to Aaron Rodgers till June 1st over two years, which gives you about uh, about $15 million to play with, and that way you can bring in additional free agents and do whatever you want to do with that money. So uh, I thought it would get done before the draft. I think the Packers got a really good deal uh, to, to be able to flip-flop the 13 and 15 pick. That way the Jets don't trade with anybody else. To give away a player, maybe the Packers might covet. The Packers get the additional second-round draft choice. So if they want to, if they want to move up even uh, and package up a couple of second-round draft choices later to move back up into the first round to get somebody, they can. So I, I thought it was a really, really good deal. And you know, I, it was it was funny, Tom. You and I were texting yesterday, and on one hand, uh, I'm, I'm here in Florida where there's a lot of you know snowbirds from Green Bay and from Wisconsin, and they're just relieved it's over it's done with no big deal let's get rid of them and on the other hand i just thought you know they just traded away the end of 30 plus years of hall of fame quarterback play this is the end of an era and unless jordan love is the next coming which i don't believe he is we might be in the dark ages for a little while as packers fans everybody here that's under the age of say 40 doesn't remember the 70s late 70s and 80s until brett Favre showed up and even Don Mikowski to a certain extent. So it was a little bit of a surreal moment to realize that this has now officially all come to an end. You know, it's interesting you bring that up, Bill, and I want to get back to Rodgers here in a second, but but we were talking about, you know, here on the show, it goes to show you, you know, you have two of the all-time great quarterbacks over 30 years, okay? And Favre won one, Rodgers won one. That's two over 30 years. That might be the best illustration of anything that, that, that I continue to try and tell Bengals fans. It's just because you have this phenomenal quarterback, which the Bengals have in Joe Burrow. I mean, he looks like he could be a Rodgers, could be better than even a Rodgers or a Favre, maybe. But the bottom line is that illustrates how hard it is to win Super Bowls. It is momentary plays in a game that either allow you to win or take it away. And you always have to remember, I'll never forget, I sat down with Ron Wolf um, maybe a decade ago and talked to him about what his his joyous times were and his regrets were. And his joyous was Mike Holmgren, Reggie White, Brett Favre, bringing it all together. But you got to remember, you don't win a Super Bowl, Brett doesn't, without Reggie. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't win a Super Bowl without the leadership of Charles Woodson. It's just that flat-out simple because you had the defensive player of the year on both sides of the football, and you had a defense to back it up that was top 10. And you had a good offensive line on both on both of those teams as well. If you ignore those positions and think, well, we'll just get by, you're only as good as your weakest link in football. And in today's day and age, with the analytics the way they are, they will expose that particular weakness. Bill Belichick is a master at it. That's the reason he's got all those rings in his back pocket. But they will expose that weakness, and they will take advantage of it. Andy Reid's done it. We just we just saw that. You know, Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles, I thought, were the better team. It wasn't two mistakes. It was a special teams gaffe. You know, it was a fumble, and they lose the Super Bowl. Otherwise, they walk away with a victory. So it is so hard to not only get there, but it is so hard to then win it on top of it. You go back and look at Aaron Rodgers. They talk about, well, he's he's one in four in NFC Championship games. Well, but in, in, in 2014, you know, don't forget Julius Peppers told Morgan Burnett to go down on a Russell Wilson interception. Had he not, he, he scores and the game's over. You got Bostic that went up to try to catch the onside kick with Jordy Nelson right behind him when they told him, let Jordy get it. 
had he not done that and it doesn't hit off his helmet, they win the game. You go back to the game in San Francisco where Mostert ran wild. Rodgers got him there, but their defense stunk, and he ran for 240-plus yards. The game in Dallas where Rodgers throws this immaculate pass and the reception by Jared Cook on the sideline only to set Mason Crosby up to kick a field goal to put him in the NFC Championship game against Atlanta, but their offensive line and their defense stunk. So when they got there, they had no chance against Atlanta. All these things have to be put into place, and it has to go perfect for you to get to and win a Super Bowl. All right, look, you know, uh, I, I did a lot of games when Aaron Rodgers was a quarterback in Green Bay. I did, uh, it, it seemed like, even more games when Favre was a quarterback. Uh, you tell me if I'm right or wrong here. Now, look, they're, they're, they're different guys. Favre's a Southern guy. Rodgers a California guy. All that kind of stuff. But both end up coming to Green Bay, Wisconsin, which is truly the heartland of America. I love that town. I love the people. I love the people in the entire state. From the outside looking in, if I were a Packer fan over the last 30 years, and I don't care what's happened since, all right, I'm not going to get bogged down in that. I'm talking about their time with the franchise. I'm more of a Favre guy just because I, th- I think he's more like, you know, people in Wisconsin. Rodgers, there's always drama. There's always something going on. Great player. Am I wrong on that, or how, how do you look at this thing when all said and done? They each won one Super Bowl, no. so you start with that. Yeah, 100% correct. Favre was – he was a hunter. He was a fisherman. He drank a little. You know, he was in Milwaukee running to the bars and hanging out with all the people, you know. There's a lot of stories, uh, both good and bad, regarding Favre, but he had fallibility like a lot of us do. Rodgers put himself on a pedestal, distanced himself from the time he came in and started to get good, and then he reached the superstar status. The, the, the more fame he got, the further he got away from people. And, and you, go, you, don't need, you don't need to go any further than we're at a Bucks game. Remember, uh, Rodgers is now a 5% owner of the Milwaukee Bucks. They're at a Bucks game, and David Bobby, big left tackle for the Packers, they show him he stands up, he holds a beer up, and he chugs it, and the crowd goes crazy. Then they switch over to Christian Yelich, who had just won an MVP. He stands up, chugs the beer. Everybody goes crazy. Then they show Rodgers. Rodgers starts to chug it, can't finish it. It spills all over him. And then <laughs> after the game, when he was asked about it, he says, well, had it been two fingers of scotch, I'd have been better off. That's not Wisconsin. Not, yeah. not in the very least. He is by far, though, Tom, the best quarterback I have ever seen. Technically, Mentally, he is he's like the matrix stepping to the line of scrimmage. He's got the most accurate passing arm. Everything about him is better than Favre. But Favre had that something. He had the heart of a lion that made him great. Now, remember, everybody forgets, you know, he had as many, you know, interceptions as he had touchdowns. But he, there was something about Favre that made him so much more likable than Aaron Rodgers. All right, so uh, just a couple of more things. I know you're on vacation down there, Camp. Thank you enough for your time today. All right, um... Jordan Love, I know it's the great unknown. Uh, the, the Packers GM says they're not rebuilding. He, he thinks they can compete in that division this year. Um, how do you see the Packers here in 2023, or is it impossible to say because of the unknown in Jordan Love? Well, I think if, if there's two glaring weaknesses right now. They don't have a tight end that's even serviceable. So they, they need not only one, but maybe two or even three tight ends. And they need a, a veteran wide out and then one or two more wide receivers. They only have five wide receivers on the roster right now. And you got to go into training camp with at least seven or eight. 
So, you, you know, I'm hoping that Njigba is there and maybe they can draft him. Uh, they need help on the defensive front. I, you know, may, who knows, maybe Jalen Carter falls to them and they could grab him to go alongside Devontae Wyatt, another Georgia guy to go alongside a, a pro bowler in Kenny Clark. They need uh, an edge rusher uh, to kind of back up Rashawn Gary because Rashawn Gary is going to be coming back from an ACL and they need some depth in the secondary. But that being said, I believe they've got playoff talent. It's just whether or not Jordan Love is the real deal or at least above serviceable. And if you don't have a guy that is above serviceable, then you need to put all the pieces around him that will be. And and they need defense. They need some weapons uh, around Jordan Love. But I think if he is, say he just runs Matt LaFleur's offense, and it is a dynamic offense, and everything Matt LaFleur's wanted to do, they can now do. And Jordan Love has learned enough to execute it and not turn the ball over. I think they could be a playoff team. But you've got a really good Detroit team that's getting better by the moment. You've got a Minnesota team that's a little bit of a question mark. But, Tom, there's not much in the NFC. You've got the Dallas Cowboys, the, the defending NFC champions in the, in the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, San Francisco, but they're without a quarterback. Yep. And then who? It's kind of a, you know, it's up for grabs. So why not Green Bay at this point? But Jordan, you know, he said he's the great unknown right now. So if he's above average and he is what you saw in those nine plays against Philadelphia this year, then they're going to have a fantastic team. If he is what we saw in the Kansas City game and even the Detroit game in the second half the year prior, then this is going to be a long search for another quarterback to follow the two Hall of Famers. All right, you've been around Rodgers every step of the way his entire career. We had Steve Serby, legendary columnist in New York on the program last week. He thinks that Rodgers is going to really enjoy the banter, the give and take, all that kind of thing with the New York press. I always get very leery about players going to New York. I don't care who they are. I saw Randy Johnson go to New York, and he was every bit the Hall of Famer that Aaron Rodgers was, both later in their careers and, man, all of a sudden, you're taking bullets from directions you don't even see coming, bullets that were not coming, quite frankly, in a market like Green Bay or even Milwaukee. Um, how do you think he handles New York? Because, look, I mean, you talk about what you just said with the NFC teams. He's walking now into the AFC, which is loaded with great quarterbacks, right? And a division that yep. has Josh Allen, right? Um, how do you think he handles New York? I think what Aaron doesn't like to be is questioned. He likes to tell you and create the narrative. And then it's, it, you got to listen. It's things he doesn't say that, that will tip you off to what he's thinking or what he's doing. And if you don't ask the follow-up, then you don't get the answer. It's like, go back to the immunization. You know, hey, Aaron, are you vaccinated? You got to do the follow-up. He does like this past year when he hurt the thumb. He got very stern, almost curt, to a reporter that said, hey, is your thumb broken? And he said, it's hurt. And that, and he looked, don't question me about it. That's not going to fly in New York. They're going to ask, but is it? Ask him again and again and again. It's like, you know, when he went on the Pat McAfee show and he talked about going into the darkness and being 90% into the, into the realm of retirement. And then when he came out, he couldn't believe that the Packers were shopping him around. Well, wait a minute. The next question is, you know, Brian Gutekind said, we tried to contact him numerous times. And Aaron is notorious for not answering his phone and not texting you or calling you back. So the question then should have been, how many times did the Packers contact you? Did you tell them you were 90% going in to retirement? 
before you went into the darkness. Did you touch? Did you touch base numerous times with Brian? Because he said you only texted him once or twice. They wanted to know where your head was at. Remember, Goodkin said at the end of the season, what we expect out of Aaron Rodgers is a return on our investment. They're paying him sixty million dollars. They want him there. He's only got a couple of years left, so go for it. He wouldn't commit to that, but he wouldn't tell him he wouldn't commit to that. And that, but yet he wants transparency. So all of those things now are out on the table and are going to come into play when the New York's a hold of them. Things are going to be great for a while, but you give a, a little bit of controversy, a little bit of diva, and they're going to come after him. And he doesn't like to be questioned over and over again about the same thing. So either his press conferences that are notorious for going 20 minutes to 60 minutes, which we completely appreciate, uh, they may end up going five minutes and saying, I don't want to talk to you anymore. And he'll just wait to kind of spew what he wants to spew and the way he wants to spew it on the Pat McAfee show. All right. Billy, we can't thank you enough for your time. Thank you so much, buddy. Enjoy the rest of your trip in that sunshine because it, I can't speak for Green Bay, but it ain't that way here in Cincinnati, Ohio. So enjoy it, my <laughs> man. No. Hey, uh, we're coming to town next weekend. So if you're around, let me know. We're going to, uh, to Bogarts to see a concert. So if you're around, let me know. We'll grab Who down. are you coming in town to see? Uh, a great band called 16 Candles. It's like an 80s party band. And okay. so we got a bunch of guys from Elder High School that are going to go with us, and we're going to head up. All right. I will, I'll look for it. Let me know when you get in, okay? We'll get together right, for bud. sure. All right. Yeah. Bill Michaels, kind enough to join Talk. us. That guy's all over it. And, uh, and I've said it before. I've said it a thousand times. He is uh, – he, he, even though he's a Cincinnati guy, uh, grew up here in Cincinnati. He's been in Wisconsin so long. That's home for him now. And I have said for years and years and years that and that and nobody loves a Buckeye State more than I do. But the nicest people of any state I've ever been to in my life uh, is the state of Wisconsin. You have an opinion on Culver's? Love Culver's. Love Culver's. Love Culver's. Love Culver's. Love them. My wife likes Culver's so much. We just went on. Where did we go? We went for a lacrosse game up in uh, Indianapolis. Two Saturdays ago. She had to stop there twice. Twice. That's big league joint, Culver's. It is. You can't help yourself but always get a like a scoop. Just a scoop of their custard. Custard, the root beer, their homemade root, root beer, beer is good. The cheese curds, it's all good. All right, ham and eggers, take it away. We got a lot to talk about here. All right? Lots to talk about, including your Cincinnati Reds. Ooh. I think they're your Cincinnati Reds. They're your Cincinnati Reds. Ham and Eggers. It's that time of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. I don't appreciate Everett Henry coming in the chat and saying that we're not an authority on great food when we might eat we, we might eat out more than anybody else. I eat out more than I eat in. We spin a wheel for, for three of the days of the week, and then... The other two that we don't spin it, we're, we're either getting Taco Bell or... Yeah, it's great or, food in my mind. any other fast food. And I don't know, man. I think we've got to... <laughs> we haven't actually been to Burger King in a while. All right. Bengals Reports brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to, ADA, to data center. Whew. Supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. There's also a new premium alkaline water out. It's right over here to our right. I don't, yeah, it's right, right here. We've got a whole box of it. Pawnee. 
Made in Hamilton, Ohio, Pana uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water that is also the best tasting water in the world. Visit their website at PaniWater.com. That is P-A-H-H-N-I Water.com. P-A-H-H. There it is. There it is. Pawnee Water. P-A-H-H-N-I Water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Drink Pawnee Water. Get your coffee from UDF. Bet with Betfred. And get your technology solutions from Encore.tech. PB's ghost makes a great point. Eating out is cheaper than groceries anymore. I don't know if that's entirely true, but going to McDonald's, so I eat, I eat like out too much. Like I, I do. I genuinely do eat out too much. I, yeah, I need to cut back on how much I eat out, but I, it's really tough to buy. I hate being that guy, but it really is tough to buy groceries in today's market. It can get kind of expensive. I'm not just saying. Kind of lightly. I mean, it's it's kind of taxing. Yeah. So, man, well, if I, you if you want if you want uh, if you want some you know, some real some steaks some real meat, my girlfriend's you can get it. You can sell it. Selling a selling a whole whole cow, half cow. That's the way. Individual cuts. That's the way to do it. Get you set up for a whole for a whole summer if you want it. If you have a deep freezer, she'll get you taken care of. That's the way to do it. It's honestly. good. Fresh Saves you a lot of money. Yeah. That's the way I would do it, of course. But, you know, I want the chat to give me some suggestions on what we should make for dinner for for me and my fiance on Thursday. Because that's a day that we actually get to be with each other on, on the afternoon. Write suggestions on what we should order, not order, what we should buy for groceries and, and make a meal. Or just the meal. I want some suggestions. Jeff Ruby's. Well, we Order talked, in. <laughs> we talked about that. We're going to eventually... You're going to show me that one website at some point. Open table? Yeah. You get yourself table. a reservation at Jeff Ruby's. Casey told me yesterday he's never had a Jeff Ruby steak. Not once. So we got we to gotta change that. Oh, well, you got to change that for sure. Get yourself... He just had a birthday. 75th birthday last week. Yeah. Did you see uh, Guy Fieri was there? Where did they celebrate it? They It was at the new Ruby's. Okay. And... Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, I, I've known Jeff Ruby. I, I mean, I've told this story, I think, on the show before. When, uh, when my dad first got the job with the Reds, Jeff Ruby, um, who really is, you know, look, and I don't sit here and, and endorse anybody's books or whatever it is, but I tell you, a lot of people just know him as Jeff Ruby, right? Um, his story is an amazing story. I mean, grew up with nothing was living on his own by the time he was 16, straight-A student, uh, went to the Ivy League, played football, graduated. Um, school of hard knocks, man. I mean, he is as tough and as hard-nosed as they come. Anyway, he gets out of college, and he gets offered this great job at the Holiday Inn. And so he's going into hotel management, and one of um, – the most successful Holiday Inns in the country at the time was the one right down there. I think it's on 8th Street, just on the west side of the viaduct there. And so he becomes the GM of that Holiday Inn. On the roof of that Holiday Inn was a bar called Lucy in the Sky. It was by far the most popular bar in this city. I mean, it's where all the big football, the Bengals, the Reds, 
All of them went. All the time. It was the spot. So in addition to being general manager of the hotel, Jeff Ruby would also work as a bouncer for Lucy in the Sky. Okay? So in the mid-1970s, I would go down to the ballpark with my dad. And I was allowed, it was a weird rule, go figure this one, right? I was allowed to go into the Reds clubhouse with my dad. I'd sit in Sparky Anderson's office. Both of them in those days were chain smoking right in the office in there, doing the radio show, Reds pregame show. I could walk around the clubhouse. I could walk around the field. But when the game started, no kids allowed in the press box. So not one time was I ever allowed to go up and sit in the booth with my dad. Okay, this is back when Dick Wagner was running the show and Bob Housem and so on and so forth. So when a game started, I would have to go sit in the stands. And more times than not, I'd be down there by myself. 85% of the games that I went to, and I'm not saying I went to every, because I in no shape or form went to all of them. But of the games that I went to, 85% of the time, I would sit next to the entire game, Jeff Ruby, <laughs> who was the bouncer at Lucy in the Sky. He's in his 20s. And I mean, you know, he's, he, I mean, monster. Football player in college, whole deal. But he's all cut up, bruised up from brawls and all this stuff going on in there. So I knew him when nobody else knew him. I mean, Pete Rose and Johnny Bench and my dad and all those guys knew him. But I used to hang out with him all the time. We've, we've maintained a very good friendship ever since then. And uh, he, I, I mean, I think the world of the guy. It, like anybody else, when you're successful, you're going to have your proponents, you're going to have your opponents, and he's got both here in the town. But you cannot deny uh, that he has built a world-renowned brand there and product there. And Casey, yeah, you need I, a stake from there. I need a stake from there. But I just remembered um, the person that is actually making the food at our wedding was a former chef at Jeff Ruby's. Really? Oh, yeah. whoa! I, I forgot to mention that. So maybe on a technicality, I've had like chopped steak and prime rib from him already to like taste test the food. So does that mean I've technically... No. No? No. I still need to go and have no, a... Yeah, no, no, no. That doesn't count, but at least you're on the right track. Yeah, That's I good mean, stuff. I'm pretty... I don't remember, but I think there's going to be prime rib there, and it's going to be from a chef that knows what he's doing, so... Good. You guys are going to have a treat. Good stuff, Casey. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Somebody asked in the chat, was I invited to the birthday party? It's actually kind of a funny story, and I'm going to throw Jeff in front of the bus on this one because uh, he, he contacts me uh, actually during the event. He texts me, and he says, I I'm humiliated. I'm so upset. I'm so bothered. He said, I asked somebody in our office, to contact, make sure they contacted you and his brother. He said they got the brother part right. It was actually his daughter that caught the fact that the brother or her brother or somebody, somebody was not invited in that uh, the, those final two. They contacted him and not me. I told him he's full of baloney. So I've been killing him ever since, going back and forth. And he's the kind of guy that, man, I mean, he just, he takes his stuff to heart and it really bothers him. But I'm not letting up. I'm going to continue to pound away on him. I couldn't have gone anyway. We had a high school lacrosse game that night. Made no difference. Hmm. But you got to get down there. I need to. Get to the person. I, I mean, you might want to mix in taking your bride to be down there. <laughs> yeah, we were actually, so I forget how we got on the conversation, but the idea was for me to take Alex 
because I don't think she's ever had a Jeff Ruby steak either. And maybe do it before the wedding. There's like a a pre celebrate celebratory like, you know, we we kind of we're at the crossroads here. We're at, at the finish at line. At the finish line. Yeah. And Hopefully not a crossroads. Hopefully the finish line. <laughs> yeah. The crossroads are coming. <laughs> you, you can mark that down. Have you ever been to uh, somebody wants to know in the chat? Okay, you haven't been to Ruby's. Have you ever been to the boathouse? No, I've not. Oh, Casey. I've not been to a lot of the delicacies and things that you the high have you ever crowd. been to Skyline? <laughs> like, like ever had graders? Yeah, I've had Skyline and graders. Okay, so I mean of the four uh, of the, the the three big Cincinnati joints, right? Okay. Yeah. I think it's safe to say, and this isn't a slight on anybody else. Uh La Rosa's, you could throw that in there. Yep. But I mean, Ruby's, the Gregory's, and, and the Boathouse or the Montgomery Inn, right? Yeah. Okay, and Skyler. Yeah. Uh, and you've been to one of the three? Been to one of the three. Well, I've technically been to Montgomery Inn. I've never ordered from Montgomery Inn. And Montgomery Inn's caught some slander lately. I'm not, I don't want to stand for it. I like it. I, I get the pulled pork, though, when I go there. I'm not a huge ribs guy. I get ribs, but I'm not like a ribs connoisseur. I'm not going to go out and get ribs all over the place. If I'm going to go to a barbecue place, I'd rather get pulled pork, which I know is people kind of shake their head at that. But I like pulled pork. Gives you good flavor with the barbecue sauce. Pulled pork guy. Get the Saratoga chips. The mac and cheese there is good. It's a real man. That's right, Casey. <laughs> it's exactly right. Ribs, uh, ribs somebody there. on here says, uh, who, where would I just see this? Oh, yeah. You know, we, 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 one, one of these days we're going to have to get into Cincinnati restaurant rankings. We'll do that. Because sometime. it was pointed out that Soto is another big league joint, which it is. I've never been there. I've... Now, that is in the old Lenormandy, for those not old enough to remember. The Commissar family owned the Masonette, which was the longest tenured, consecutively running five-star restaurant in the United States of America. Nowhere in San Francisco, nowhere in New York, had a longer-running five-star rating than Lenormandy. I mean, than um, the Masonette. The ground floor level underneath the Masonette was called Lenormandy, which a commissar family also owned. That was a great joint. That's where Soto is now. And, 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 and my friend, my dear friend, uh, friends, Eddie and Pat Shepard and I used to go all the time down to Lenormandy. I love that joint, the setting, and what they've done to pre preserve that. It's kind of like going down into a wine cellar down there where Soto is. It's a big league setup. Yeah, I've been there once. You uh, been there, Casey? No, I've not. Go ahead, Paul. Forgive me. No, You've I didn't. You've been there once, you said? Yeah, but it, we, it was, it was, the wait was like two hours. So we just went upstairs and went to Boca instead. Yeah, now Boca is where Lenorm is where um, uh, the Masonette used to be. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, someone said on here that um, Casey is taking Alexandria to the Golden Corral. <laughs> no, we're actually on uh, Rosa. We're actually getting La Rosa's tonight. So. Ooh, that's good. All right, before we move on, give your give your breakfast spots here in town. Then we'll move on to sports. You know talk. what? I, I mean, I live right down the road from uh, the tried and true institution. I mean, if you're talking about Cincinnati institutions, that would be the national exemplar. Ooh, Marymount. 
Heart of Marymont. Heart of Marymont. Yep. Big league joint. There are other good breakfast joints, though. Echo and Hyde Park is good. Yeah, been there before many times. Get, get the hot mess. I can't remember what I get. Normally, when I used to go in there back in my uh, days living up in uh, Eden Park slash Mount Adams, I would roll in there a hot mess. Mm. All tanked up. Uh, well, maybe hours before. Uh, yeah, Echo's big league. Uh, you know, Sir Boy Wonder, you know, he, he runs in that crowd, that highfalutin crowd. Down there in Oakley. Yeah. So he's right around the corner from me, Echo. Price Hill Chili. I like Price Hill Chili a lot. For breakfast? Yeah, for breakfast. I thought you were messing around. I didn't know that. I've never been. That's good. You got ghetto. You got your sausage and gravy biscuits. and It's pretty good. There's uh, sugar and spice. Also a good one. All right. Just want to get your thoughts. I'm starving now. Thanks a lot. Somebody (laughs) says it's her boy runs with Sadak regularly now over in 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 Oakley Oakley we may have to ask Sadek about that time <laughs> sometime ask him if he since he gave all that pub uh, um, on the telecast the other night that we pointed out <laughs> to Sir Boy Wonder Sir Boy never commented on that by the way um, we ran it and, and you said that he was texting you last night about coming down to the ballpark right sitting on the outfield yeah I said the outfield <laughs> I hope he knows I was kidding. You know, PB's Ghost brings up a, a great place that uh, it, a lot of people in Dayton, a lot of people in Cincinnati, uh, been around forever. Great joint, the Pine Club. You ever been up there in Dayton? Big no. league joint. Big league joint. Yeah, good call there. Good call there. Sir Boy says, Tom, come down for a game. Sir Boy, that's not happening. I'll never set foot in that ballpark again. Never again. But thank you for the invitation. I appreciate it. Um, okay. Let's, uh, let, let, let's tie a ribbon a little bit around it. So, so what we, we were tossing around a little bit yesterday, and Casey, we're going to talk about, um, uh, you brought it up yesterday. It was your idea. And are, are, are we going to begin this Bengals? You know, because a lot of people in the chat, they're like, we ought to have a show. And, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's too much and too much going on to have – a mock draft show. You, you need a lot of people involved in that kind of thing. There's just a lot that goes on there. Um, but we did say that we're going to each pick three players that we think will be available for the Bengals in the first round, the second round, and the third rounds. Um, do we do that tomorrow or we do that Thursday? Do it Thursday. We'll do it Thursday. Do it Thursday, day of the draft. Okay. Okay. And then you know what we have to do is grade the drafts. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna grade the picks. <laughs> we're gonna grade them. There's nothing better. Wait a minute. You mean you mean the 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 other two are going to grade the third guy's pick? However, we want to do it, but there's nothing. So in other words, you put out your three rounds, Paul, or three players for the first round. You pick player A. No, I'm and then Tracy. Are you saying that? No, I'm Casey saying Monday. Oh, I'm saying Monday. Monday yeah. oh, we do. Okay. We do okay. grades. Okay. Because there's nothing better than going back in four months and realizing how wrong you were. <laughs> yeah. I'm already ready for the disappointment when they skip past the one shows. So. Yeah. Oh well. They'll pick. Bengals are going to pick somebody that we're not even thinking about. That's Probably. exactly what they did last year. 
Yeah. I mean, they're going to pick whoever they think is the best player available. And I, I think they're going to stick to that. And it's probably going to be a defensive lineman. Defensive lineman. But plus, uh, Casey, plus are you going to be mad? Because nobody follows this stuff in this room more than you do, Casey. Yeah. Are you going to be angry? Now, tell the truth, okay? Tell the truth now. Yeah. Are you going to be angry if the 28th pick comes up, Bengals are on the clock, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. And they draft – uh, they have Dewan Jones available out there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they pick some cornerback from South Carolina. Are you going to be upset about that? I will not be upset as long as two things don't happen. Right. If Dewan Jones is not picked and he falls out of the first round, okay, that's that means he skipped past a team that needs a right tackle, like the Chiefs. Okay. That's the one – there's one big reason I don't want Dewan Jones to go past 28, and that's because I think the Chiefs would snatch him immediately. And then at 32, the Steelers also need a right tackle. So if they decide to skip past, you know, a lineman in the first round or maybe they need to get two linemen, their offensive line is not in the greatest shape, they could theoretically also pick Dewan Jones. If those two things happen – if either the Chiefs or the Steelers pick Dewan Jones, I'll be upset. But any other case, any other team picks Dewan Jones, I won't be as upset because, one, you know, there is flaws with him that I can I can understand. But, you know, I just don't want – I don't want to be in a position where I feel like I was right when a other team sees what I see, like the Chiefs. Because you, you know, you know, if he goes to the Chiefs, he's going to perform. You just know. It's, it's just the feeling that you got inside. Like, God, that could have been our guy, you know? Okay, but so you are going to be a little upset. You're if, at least admitting it ahead of time. If, if those two teams picked Juan Jones, either the Steelers or the Chiefs. But if he passes those two, then I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm happy. So. Okay. All right. I just want to make sure before we start getting into all this stuff. Um, we have Marty Brenneman joining us early uh, tomorrow. And uh, Mary Kay Cabot, we think, promised for the third day in a row. First day was on me. Second day's on her. Rubber match tomorrow. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Um, you know, before we get to Tracy, we'll be talking a lot about the uh, Reds with Tracy, among other things. So, the NBA playoffs, we see two things happen last night that it's what makes playoff basketball great. I can't watch a regular season, but the, the postseason, uh, a lot like hockey, same thing. Uh, it, it's, the stars shine the brightest, right? Right. The stars shine the brightest. And unfortunately for Milwaukee, a number one seed, they were the best team all year long uh, in the East. Uh, but Giannis uh, is out for a couple of games. He practiced on Sunday. They thought he'd come back last night. He did come back last night, played well. 26 points, 13 rebounds. But Jimmy Butler, golly day. There's just something about that guy. If you love sports, 
There is just something about that dude. You got to love him. He's, he's, yeah, he's a talent. And it seems like whenever he plays as well as this, I remember back in the bubble, I mean, there's that classic meet, that classic meme of him in the bubble where he's just leaning over the baseline and he's so tired because he's putting the team on his back. And I mean, this is a huge win for the Heat. I don't know if this is going to propel them to, to winning the series or anything like that, but this is a huge win for the Heat. The Bucks. I mean, it's nice to have Giannis back, had a triple-double, but just couldn't get it done. The Lakers game, though, Tom, not to change the subject too quickly. Yes. I stayed up to watch that Lakers game. It was, it was about 12-15 last night, and uh, I checked my phone. I, I turned off the TV. I was watching the end of a hockey game, and I checked my phone just to see what the Lakers score was. I saw it was tied. And I thought, God, I need to go to bed. I did not go to bed. I stayed up to watch the Lakers. The end of that Lakers game, the end of regulation at least, because over time they kind of pulled away a little bit. But the end of that regulation in the Lakers game, going back and forth between yep. the play that John Morant made defensively, uh, the, the play the Grizzlies made defensively to then have John Morant leak out, behind-the-back pass, easy lay-in for a two-point lead. Then LeBron drives right past his man, gets a nice angle along the right side of the lane, High off the glass where nobody could block it. Ties the game. Goes to overtime. Then LeBron and Ann won in overtime to seal the game. He's 38 years old. 38. And he is still the best player on the floor. And, uh, you know, uh, you know the one guy that, I mean, I'm convinced you look at all the trades that were made and we'll see how it plays out. Uh, Durant clearly being the biggest name going to the Suns. Tell you what, D'Angelo Russell is as big a deal as it was made by any team. Now, you talk about a dude that hit some big shots last night. Yes, he did. I mean, that guy hit some monster threes last night. He, that guy can play. I mean, I don't know what his deal is. There was that whole thing, his first go-round with the Lakers, where, you know, some guy, I guess, was running around on his wife, and he put it out on social media. I mean, it was yeah. ugly, the whole thing, yeah. right? And they ship him off in the whole nine yards. Of course, he was all of about 19 years old then, I think. So, you look, 19-year-olds, 59-year-olds. You're going to do stupid stuff. And, and that was stupid. Where would Russell go to college? He's a Buckeye. Oh. But he I, – I don't care if he's a Buckeye. <laughs> the guy last night, when they needed – they needed huge shots. Yeah, I mean, LeBron was there. A couple other guys were there. But Russell, I mean, he nailed him. Oh, yeah. What, what, are you following the lead here? Of I didn't even. I did, yes, I, you did. I did not You're see that. I promise you. Thunder. I promise you I did not see that, that chat. <laughs> well, we're thinking on the same page. <laughs> See, no, he no, even, seriously. He even thanked you for using his material. Yeah, I did not see that chat. But, yes, no, Russell. And then he fouled out right at the end. Yeah. He fouled out at the end. He had a couple of wide-open threes, didn't make either of them. Davis gets a rebound, gets fouled, puts it back up. I mean, it, it was it was a thrilling end of that game. Adam Sandler was sitting courtside. There were a ton of celebrities there. It was, Adam Sandler? Yeah. It was. I mean, it was fun. It was, it was a really fun game. It feels like all of these late games – the last four or five nights, the, the games that have ended, you know, the, the, the West Coast 10 p.m. games between the Nuggets the night before, the Lakers last night, it's uh, they, they've been exciting. I would it, like to also point out 
it's the three to one first series matchups in the playoffs. Yeah. There's a 95% chance that the team that's leading will win the series. Oh yeah. But the question is that I have for you guys. Okay. Um, and, and Luke and I were talking about this the other night, our son, Luke, um, Phoenix has a chance to close out the King. I mean, the Clippers. Okay. Do you think the Suns can beat Denver? Yeah. I think they can. If everybody's healthy on the court available, I think they can. I don't think Denver's invincible, but it was also absolutely absurd that Denver was like plus 1,100 pre-playoffs to win the title, and they're the number one seed in the West. I do think the Suns could beat them, though, easily. Yeah. Not, well, easily makes it sound. I'm, I'm saying that it, it would not shock me if the Suns won that series. I think Chris Paul in the playoffs. When's Chris Paul going to ever do anything in the, in the postseason? Poor guy. I'm rooting for him. You I'm rooting are? For, for Chris Paul? You're rooting for him. Yeah, man. I mean, poor guy. All this time trying to get to the finals. Can't get there. Can't get there. Can't get there. Something goes wrong. Okay. Somebody asked the uh, question here in the chat. And we're going to just confirm this. I think I know the answer to this already. But um, one eleven rings is the question. Bill Russell? Bill Russell. 11 rings. 57, 59, 60, 61, 62, 63, 64, 65, 66, 68, 69. Won a ring every – I don't know what happened to the, to the Celtics in 58. It's the only year they didn't win it. Going back to 1957, all the way through 1969. And I think he won – I need to double-check this real quick. I think he won multiple championships in college. Bill Russell? At San Francisco. Did he? I'm quite was, sure. Was he on those? Ah, I am quite sure pre, he like, won multiple national championships. Um, I mean, I know I just – those San Francisco teams were so good. I don't remember what their titles were. He was the NCAA tournament most outstanding player in 1955. So that would have – yeah, he did. 55 and 56. Yeah. So they won 55 games in a row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, yeah. those were his teams. That's right. So he goes to uh, he he goes to Boston. So think about that. 55, 56. You said right. Yeah. He wins two college championships. First year in the NBA championship, then misses and wins every year until 19 through 1970. Holy Moses. And why is his name, name never brought up for the greatest players of all time? Had almost 15,000 points, almost 22,000 rebounds. I think Five-time MVP of the NBA. 12-time All-Star. Go figure. Okay. I, I think people bring him up. I just don't think he scored enough. 
Fair enough. That's it. That's it. It's about. Yeah, I mean, point. titles wise, people always bring him up because he has more titles than anybody and probably more titles than anybody ever will. OJ's 94 Broncos says he was playing against five foot eight white dudes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, Tracer here yet? He's joining in right now. All right. Ronnie Smith says he's out oh in Arizona God. watching look, the show, and they're very nervous out there. They do Tom, get very nervous out there in Arizona. Look at what we're about to bring on the show, Tom. All right, here he is, a tracer. Best 30 minutes in television. Let me see this now. Identify as a conspiracy theorist. My pronouns are told you so. <laughs> <laughs> did you have that made or do I, I know you didn't find that in California no I didn't I didn't find it in California but my wife who is a true conspiracy theorist she found it she's got about 10 of them so if you guys want one I'll, I'll mail it to you or bring it by the studio but uh yeah I thought I kind of there's a lot of truth to that isn't there Tom there's no doubt about it but I, I'll tell you though the one that that really really bothers me um and my wife and I have had lengthy discussions about this because she wrote a, um, a paper at Notre Dame uh, when she was in college there that, uh, about the John F. Kennedy assassination. Yes. Okay, now we're talking all the way back in 1963, right? I mean, this right. is forever ago, right? Right. And just recently, documents never before being made known to the public had a chance to finally be released. But your good buddy, Uncle Joe, decided, no, we're not going to let the public know once and for all what really happened here. Who was involved on this deal? Uh, and for us not to know as Americans on multiple topics, not just that. Uh, it, it's criminal. Because that, that's the ultimate conspiracy uh, theories. They're, they're all over the board on that one, right? They have been. Right. One of the most famous movies ever made, Kevin Costner, uh, about that whole thing. But I mean, right. why don't we know on things that we do know? Why don't we know? Why didn't we know about all the uh, side effects of the covid vaccine? Right. Well, you know, you Massive couldn't get that. cover up. That's a big time cover. up. I mean, there were doctors. It just wasn't, you know, us talking about covid and, and, and the side effects. I mean, you had. Doctors from Harvard, from Stanford talking about it. And those guys were just blackballed and taken off Twitter. I, I think it was a crying shame. I mean, but there are so many secrets in our country that don't come out. You bought the whole thing up with JFK. You know, I, I, I say this, and I mean, I, you probably disagree. I'm sure a lot. I don't think we landed on the moon. I don't. I, I mean, I think the tech... Well, I mean, why haven't we been back there? I mean, how did they get that film of Neil Armstrong walking on the moon. Did they set that camera up before he took his first step? How, how did that play out? I'm just asking. I know that you don't believe that. I think well, you're just throwing that you, out okay. there. There are some other ones well, I'll I'm buy into. I don't think you believe uh, that. Okay, let me throw some more out then. All right. Uh, what about Bigfoot? What about uh, Chubacabra? You familiar with Chubacabra? I'm not. What about Ma... What, and I'm just throwing this out, people. I'm okay. not saying I, I agree with it or not. I'm just throwing out these conspiracy theorists 
who believe in a lot of this stuff, my wife being one person that does believe in everything. Uh, Mothman. You believe in Mothman, West I've Virginia? I've never heard of that... Mothman. Have you guys heard of Mothman? Yeah, I've not. No. Mothman? Mothman. All right, I am. Uh, what... Go ahead. Mothman. Okay. This is West Virginia folklore, Mothman. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, is a humanoid creature. Reportedly seen in the Point Pleasant area back in the, the, the late 1960s, the Point yes. Pleasant Register was the first newspaper that published a report saying couples see man-sized birds slash creatures slash something. The national press picked up on this. And the yep. legend is believed to have originated from sightings of out-of-migration sandhill cranes or herons. You're not believing that. I'm just throwing it out there for discussion. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what I... Well, the, the, the Google this, Tom. Chubacabra. I don't know how to spell it, but that, that's, I think, down in Mexico. That's a scary animal there. Now, I do believe in the Chubacabra. You got to watch for them. You getting it? I mean, I got... Okay, here he is. There he is. Chupacabra. Oh, whatever. The most common Chuba description Chuba. of the Chupacabra is that of a reptile-like creature said to have leathery or scaly greenish-gray skin and sharp spines or quills running down its back three to four feet high, roughly the size of a kangaroo. See? See what? See, there's a lot of stuff. Okay, let me give you something that I've experienced. First of all, I believe, in, well, I believe in UFOs. Do you believe in UFOs? I, I, huh? I think I'm starting to, to, to swing that way. There's another thing. Why, why isn't it all laid out there? Why? Right. Why not? I've never experienced a UFO. I've never seen a UFO. But what I have experienced is a USO. Are you familiar with them, Tom? No. An unidentified submerged object. And I saw this in the Ohio River. Uh, I've seen it a couple of times. What happens when these barges go late at night, I see this light like darting and, and following this barge. And it's kind of crazy. And the speed and everything that, did, I mean, they're right on the barge's tail. And I'm just like, I sit there from my balcony and I'm watching this going, and nobody's talking about it. Are you nobody's deep in the gray goose at this point in time? And that was going to be my point. That was into the tequila. That's the problem. I start seeing things when I start drinking tequila. See, you're starting to get to know me, Tom. And so you kind of, you knew where I was going, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> uh, hey, somebody in here, when we were describing the Chupaca, Said, uh, Tom, you just described my mother-in-law. <laughs> oh, see, that's such a cheap shot. It really is. You can't. It really and is. you know what my wife told me, Tom? I need to lay off the ham and eggers. She says I'm being too mean to those guys. Who so said that? I Wait, who said that? My wife. My Did wife. she watch a show? She listened last week, and she thought it was uh, a little too hard on the guys. So I apologize, so I'll soften it up with the with uh, the two ham and eggers.
Well, you know, we're tra- uh, by the way, fellas, you want to say good morning to Mr. Jones? I'm just appreciative of an apology, Tracy. Thank you. Looking forward to better treatment. Yeah. A little bit more respect, right? Sure. Uh, we started talking about Casey last week and pulling an Ike Turner on his wife. I was very, very <laughs> concerned. About, see, the boys don't even know who Ike Turner is. No, do they, they don't. don't. <laughs> they don't. They don't know who Ike Turner is. Do you guys know who Tina Turner is? Tina Turner. Tina Turner, yes. Yeah. Okay, that, that was her husband, okay. Ike Turner. Yeah, he was not such a pleasant fella, I don't think, for a long time there, right? No. Not to Tina. No, he was, a, he, was a, he was a bad guy. Hey, I've got something on the Reds. Okay, let's hear it. Uh, well, you know, I thought about you a lot this weekend because we talked about this series. And, you know, you were saying how the Reds should take three or four. Well, just the opposite I said they should happened, compete. Right? Right. Yeah. Well, they didn't at all. And to lose four games of Pirates, do you guys realize this? That they are eight games out of first place. Yep. And we're not even out of April. I mean, it's it's time to kind of panic a little bit. And I know they won last night, but I'm surprised. And I bet he did. I, I'm saying I'm surprised. I bet he had a team meeting. And I love team meetings. They're good. I, I know some people probably think it's corny and it's just, you know, eyewash but it's very important to have those team meetings and really call out names of players that are not playing well and i've been involved in a couple of those player meetings sparky anderson called out some players and i'm not going to name names but i'm not going to name names but called out some players and told the hitting coach veda penson to shut up because veda wasn't you know he was talking to someone the, the point is it got serious and when you start calling out names in those those closed door meetings, which I thought the Reds should, because I didn't think they played with much enthusiasm that series against the Pirates. There was no sense of urgency. It was like, oh well, you know. And you could see the first two games of the series, it kind of snowballed. But to call players out, I, I think is good for a team once in a while. I saw Pete Rose called uh, had a meeting, and Eddie Milner and Danny Jackson went at it during the meeting. Because they caught, you know, kind of called each other out. So that's the kind of stuff that I think is is what this team needs. They need a little bit of fire because do, this is, do you this believe season. for a second that David Bell in front of his team and in front of twenty five guys and the coaching staff and whoever else was in that room, probably thirty five analytics guys, do you believe for a second that he called out a player by name? I I, I don't know if they have, but I think he would. I do think he would. I, I don't think he would call out players in the media, which he doesn't. We talked about, but you don't see that as his personality, right, Tom? No, I do not. No, I do I mean, see. He, I do see him, as you point out. I do see him um, bringing a guy into his office, you know. And you're the one who said it yourself. I mean, you know, hey, you know, you're the guy who said it yourself. You don't want to be called out by the manager in the press. You want him to meet right. with you face-to-face, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. What? And I know there's a difference, okay? I, I, there's a big difference, okay? But what is the difference between being called out in front of your teammates, 35 or 40 of you sitting in a, in a clubhouse? I mean, at the end of the day, What's the difference if your manager calls you out there or just calls you out in the press? Well, I mean, really, what's the difference? 
I'm not well, talking about one-on-one on one now. I'm not talking about one-on-one. On one. I'm talking about in front of your teammates and in front of the rest of the team. Oh, I think it's a huge deal, huge okay. difference. Because one, you guys are in it together, right? It's called a team for a reason. So you're in there fighting the fight. Who cares about the JOs that are watching the game on TV or listening on the radio? Well, I mean, that's, that's why I asked the question. Because at the end of the day, you don't respect, to, to borrow your terminology, you don't, you, you don't, you don't uh, worry about what the JOs think about you in the media or some of the fans. You do care about what your teammates think about you, right? Right. You do. You do. Can I, t you know, I, those whole team meetings, the best compliment I ever received was from Pete Rose in 1987 when he called a team meeting in uh, New York. And there was a lot of rumblings about, and Tom, you probably remember this, about Pete maybe being fired. And because people were talking trash through the media and not to Pete's face. <clears throat> so Pete calls, calls us all in. After batting practice, he sits down and he says, you know, you guys are talking a lot of trash about me in the media. He says, if they fire me, I'm going to take some of you son of a bitches with me. Those were his exact words. He says, I know a lot of people in baseball and, and you'll never play in the big leagues. He said, there's only one person that I know is not talking bad about me because he has the guts to say it to my face. And it's Tracy. Wow. That was that was pretty strong. It's like, oh, geez, you know, that was kind of like a teacher's pet. <laughs> well, that's all, there's but, nothing wrong with being a teacher's pet if you're doing things the right way. You know, people make fun of that term teacher's pet. You know, I mean, it, it, most teachers aren't taking bribes from kids to get a good grade. Most time the teacher's pet is somebody that's sitting in there. They're disciplined. They are trying yep. hard. They care, right? They're not sleeping right? in the class. They're not sticking gum under the desk. They're, they're playing their ass off in your case. Hey. I got no problem with teacher's pets. No problem at all. Well, I ever have. I agree with that. And you know what I used to do with Sparky Anderson, and it worked for a long time? Sparky really liked apples. He was like a teacher. And I used to present him with a granny apple every every day. I'd say, I would say, here, Sparky, here's your apple. He really appreciated that, Tom. Sparky loved apples. Gosh, there was just something I, I, I wanted to ask you about. And uh, golly day, it was something that I, that I thought was important. And, and I've just completely lost track. That happens when you get to be our age, as you're well aware. Gosh, I wish I remember what it was. Because it was something you were talking about there for a second. And I got off on track. Um, all right, th th this is something different. Yeah. I'm sitting there last night. And our son had a high school sporting event. We're driving home from a game. Um, and, and I'm listening to the Reds game on the radio. Okay. Did you watch any of the game last night at all? No, I didn't. Okay. No, I didn't. All right. Well, I, this doesn't need a whole lot of explanation. Here's the bottom line. The Texas Rangers uh, are off to one of the best starts among all teams in Major League Baseball. They've got a good offensive club. I'm not sold on their pitching, uh, which is normally the case with Rangers teams through the years. They have a lot of good offense. Right. They, they don't pitch when it matters. And I think that's going to no. happen to this team this year. But last night, um, the, the, here they come to the bullpen, okay? And the Reds in the inning, they were down 6-4 to four in the eighth inning. They get one hit in the inning. Um, 
they get their fifth run and then the game-tying sixth run on bases loaded walks. Okay? Now, you talk about a manager. I I know what I would do if I were a manager, but uh, my managing style might be a little bit different than some other people. Okay? And Bruce Bochy's been around the block and won three World Series last time I checked. Um, He has a reliever in the game last night. Two outs, bases loaded, bottom of the eighth inning, his team in front by a run. Nick Senzel, who's hitting all of about 120, is at the plate. The ball, the count goes to three balls and two strikes. Jeff Brantley aptly points out, before the 3-2 pitch, he says, you can take it to the bank You're sitting dead red here. The heater is coming. This guy has not thrown a breaking ball for a strike in the entire appearance. Not one. What does he throw him on three and two with the bases loaded leading by a run? Curveball. Curveball. Ball four to tie the game. What do you suppose Bruce Bochy is thinking about sitting over there in the dugout? former major league catcher and a three-time yeah. winner of the World Series as the manager of a major league baseball team. He came oh, out of retirement okay, for this nonsense? Yeah. I love topics like this cuz you're so right on point. Here's here's what I would do. Well, here's what here's the deal. The catcher, I blame that on the catcher. So let's say he called, let's say the catcher called for a fastball and the and the pitcher shook him off. Now, he can stop and go to the mound, right? He is allowed to do that. Is the catcher allowed to do it one time? I mean, what is the rule there? But I would have stopped, and the catcher would have gone out there and said, hey, listen, you got to throw a fastball. 3-2, this guy's hitting a buck 50. You're coming right at him. Right. But, I mean, to lose a game like that, it's, it's, those are the mistakes that you gotta, you got to shake your head. I mean, they're major league baseball players. But yet they still – that is a mental mistake. People say that's a physical mistake. That's a mental mistake that you can't make in the big leagues. I, I just can't believe – I mean, I, I mean, I can't remember who the pitcher is. I never heard of the guy before. Uh, but wherever their AAA team, that's where he would be waking up tomorrow morning. Yeah, you've got a challenge. You got to check in his best pitch. You just said that he couldn't throw a, or Brantley said he wasn't throwing a curveball over. So what does he think? All of a sudden he's going to break one off, and, and it's going to go for a strike. I mean, that, that's a that's, that's how you screw where the, that is the equivalent of Zach Taylor uh, doing the, uh, the, the, the 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 shuffle pass on fourth down and goal to a guy who hadn't touched the ball all year long. That's the equivalent. We're going to trick up. Yeah. We're going to trick up. Yeah. Trick up. Yeah. Throw that, that, that breaking ball three and two that I haven't found a strike zone with one time in the inning. That's what we're going to do. Ridiculous. All right. Hey, here's another thing I've been meaning to ask you about. Casey, put on the helmet. Let's go. There we go. Now, have you seen this routine with the Reds players doing the Viking thing down there? After yeah. a home run, of course, they never hit a home run, but they allegedly right. do it when they hit a home run, uh, where they put on a cape and a Viking helmet and all this sort of stuff. Uh, Casey yeah. clearly uh, likes it a lot. Um, oh, my God. 
First of all, before we get to Casey wearing the helmet, what what are your thoughts on the Reds doing that down in the dugout? You're eight games out of first place. You're in last place. You didn't hit a home run for 44 innings, something like that, right? I would just kind of slow play it if I were the Reds. Now, if I were the Pirates, I think the Pirates do something like that as well. You're in first place. There's a lot of energy. But for the Reds to come out and do this stuff, I don't, I don't know the point. It's, it's not funny. I don't even, I don't think it's clever. Besides Casey, who really likes it? And Casey, you look like a dang goofball. Well, I mean, I mean, sorry, he's going to wear it for his wedding. We're told. Yeah, we're going to walk on down the aisle with this thing. Skull. Win me some wear it, games. Wear it, uh, wear it on your wedding night. Just no wear that, night. nothing else. <laughs> I think I should drink out of the, the helmet, right? Put some meat in Easy here. Easy on the drink drinking. Out of the helmet. Easy on the drinking. Don't, don't get too good. Hey, on this whole thing, I suppose you guys have talked about Hunter Green getting that long-term deal. You think it's a good deal? I think, I think it's an excellent deal. What do you think? I think it's a horrible deal. Really? I, Why? I, I don't like long-term deals, Tom, I, I, in baseball. Yeah, but right? you we know just as well about- as I do, Tracy. Now, they didn't have to give this to um, – they didn't have to give this to Green because, you know, look, but, but they're avoiding arbitration, Right. They're avoiding the first okay. year of free agency. He's not going to reach those those uh, incentives. Um, I mean, look, is he talented enough to reach him? Yeah. Is it probably going to happen because he's going to be on bad teams? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, look, if, it, if it's $55 million, whatever it is, instead of $100 million, which that would be the case close to if he hit all the incentives. I think it's a good, I think it's a good idea. Will someone please tell me a good long-term deal in baseball? For a pitcher? For a pitcher? Now, I'm more reluctant on pitchers and position players. Me too. Me too. But, I mean, look at we complained. I mean, the Reds paid Moustakas $22 million to walk away. Right? You have the Joey Votto $25 million contract. I mean, I don't know how many times the negativity on that contract came up. Oh, what could we do with $25 million? What about the uh, the, the guy out of Japan, the center fielder? Yeah, Shogo. 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 I mean, yeah. that was a terrible signing. It's just, it has nothing to do with Hunter Green. I think he's really talented. I just don't like long-term deals in baseball because baseball players – have bad years. You know, and it's just, it's a tough sport to continue and yes, have a great is. career for six, seven years. It's, it's just tough. It just doesn't happen often, I don't think. No, I mean, the pitcher's thing, you know, um, basically when you sign a pitcher to a long-term contract, there's a real good chance that they're a hard thrower. Uh, and, and certainly the, the, the you know, the, the numbers bear this out that during that that stretch, you're basically going to lose a full year due to an injury for a pitcher. Now, you'd like to think, and certainly what you're hoping and praying for, is Green's already been down that road. Right. right? He's already had the Tommy John. So, you know, there aren't a lot of people that have it a second time. There are are fewer people that come back from it uh, after a second time. But I I think that – I think think they're in a situation, Tracy – one night last week when you were on the show, they had 7,000 people. Last night, right. they had 8,000 people. 
right? I would rather you be mad at me than just be apathetic where you don't care, right? right? And I think that what we're seeing is a lot of people don't care. And they have to get people to care again. And I think if it's it's something like this, maybe, you know, maybe it Well, let me... let me throw out another name of a long-term deal that backfired. And I don't know if you guys remember this name. How about Homer Bailey? Yeah. How, how, how did that contract work? That was coming off a couple of times when he threw a no-hitter, right? He threw, he's got two no-hitters, I think. Yes, he And does. that was supposedly a great, and Homer had good stuff now. There was nothing wrong with Homer. He did. Boy, did he, he had a tough time after getting that long-term deal. So he did. It, again, I'm not criticizing, it's just my way of thinking. I don't like to fork out money like into the future like that. I well, just, just not as for we're this organization. Here right now, uh, Sir Boy Wonder tells us the Pittsburgh Pirates um, have just signed Brian Reynolds to an eight-year, one hundred seven million dollar extension. Wow, is he worth that kind of money? For me, I don't not. think so. No, he's <laughs> not. not for me. All right, here, you know here, where here, I put the money in, but Tom, you who? know where I put the money into. And you're going to think I'm a fool, but that's all right. The announcers. Yeah, it comes back. No, listen, there's a lot of truth to this now. Hold on. You tell the me guys how in Pittsburgh in- should get paid like, the, like uh, that kind of contract after watching what they've been watching since about right? 1993. You're probably about I, I right. Mean, right, because you have a bad team. But if you have good broadcasters like you and your dad – it makes the game so much more enjoyable. I can watch any game if I have broadcasters. I'm telling you, broadcasters that I bring it a lot, bring it up a lot on the show, is because I grew up listening to the best, and I include you in that, and I include your dad, uh, you know, Dick Emberg, Don Drysdale, and Vince Scully. All those, Dave Niehaus. How about yep. that name? Yeah, great Seattle. name. Ernie yep. Harwell. I know how important the broadcasters are, and if you have a bad team. You better have good broadcasters. And you bring up the, the the Pirates, that's a perfect example. Oh, boy. They have had to watch some Ooh. ugly baseball. All right, fellas, is there yeah. anything you would like to get into with Mr. Jones? Uh, anything on your mind at all? No, I don't think so. I have a, I have a question. Yeah, I have a question for you guys to think about. Would you rather be... Really smart or really lucky? Hmm. I'll sit back and listen. This is a no-brainer. Go ahead. I mean, I feel like I would rather be super smart because I believe that people create their own luck, but that's just my take. That's exactly what I was going to say. Could well, not have said it I'm going the other way, Tracer. I want to be really lucky. Yes. See, you and I are really those JOs, Ham and Eggers, have no clue on how life is all about. They're young. Tom, being lucky and getting that break can make or break you. You could always become smarter. In most cases, I'm not sure about Casey, but I'm sure a lot of you can become you can make yourself smarter. So, Tom, it's not even close. I'd rather be lucky than good. Or is smart, I should say. Or even good at something. Fair. All right. So there we have it. That's something to ponder here. That's yes. something to ponder here. 
And Lance Miller wants to know if Tucker Carlson should buy the Reds. I think I think Elon Musk should buy the Reds. And that would be a Carlson good purchase. That'd be good. Tip money yeah. for him. Tip money for him. You know what the funny thing is? There are a lot of people out there that when, when you just say that, there are a lot of people who, because for whatever reason, okay, could be anything, right, that, that they don't like Elon Musk, okay? Why? And, and the second you say that, they'll roll their eyes. And be, oh, my God. They're the first people. They're the first people to be jumping on that bandwagon if he bought the team tomorrow and had a $300 million payroll. Mark it down. And that, Mark wouldn't it that be some down. They'd be jumping for joy because they signed Tatis and they signed Jacob DeGrom <laughs> and they signed all these guys. Then they'd be like, oh, the guy's cool with me now. Right? Yeah. That, that's fans. That's called front running, but that's what fans are. I mean, here's a guy. Someone asked me, you know, Elon Musk doesn't know what he's doing. Do they know his other business? Do, have they watched what he's done with SpaceX? I, I mean, just a brilliant, brilliant man. And actually f saved free speech by buying Twitter. I, I don't know. It cost him $44 billion. But are you on and, and follow certain people, Tom? I get so much information from Twitter. That's the number one app as far as news that's downloaded now, is Twitter. A lot of information there. A lot of baseball news that I get. A lot of Twitter. hate out there, too, though. A lot of hate. A lot, a lot of hate. hate. A lot of hate. Okay. Uh, All right, Tracer, great to see you, my man. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you on Thursday, I hope, unless you have a, an appointment with Marty. No, I, no our appointment is Friday. So, and, and, again, boys, I want to apologize for insulting you. or I, I didn't really... I'm I'm sorry. It won't happen again. All right. All right. We we appreciate the the thoughts. Which, by the way, your bride to be uh, chimed in saying you should not wear that Viking helmet at any point in time anywhere. We'll have that discussion when I get home tonight. Okay. All right. There you go. We'll look forward to hearing right. about that tomorrow. All right, Tracer. Have a good day. See you, boys. See you, Tracer. All right, Tracer. fellas. Before we get out of here today, uh, do we have? A cherry on top. We do. And it's a discussion-based cherry on top. Oh, wow. Okay. It's a little, little fun thought exercise here. This is from Lance McAllister. Tweeted it out this morning. We love Lance. Love that dude. Today is National Bucket List Day, so he asks the question, what is on your bucket list related to sports? Related to sports. Uh, all right, how would you guys answer that question? I need a second to think about that. What would it be? Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, it, it, well, well, now, let, me, let me just clarify something yeah. real quick. Because when you say bucket list, right? Something. Sport. So something you want to happen or somewhere you or an experience where you want to go? An experience. You, something so like you, go to a venue. Sure. Yeah, right? Sure. Okay. I think yeah. it in, it can include like Bengals, a Bengals Super Bowl. Like that, yeah. that could be on your bucket list. It might never happen, but like you've talked about going to a Bengals Super Bowl, Tom, and and uh, you know that being something that you and your going family... to a Bengals Super Bowl. I've been yeah. to one. Yeah, but I, I, the... I would like to see them win one. Yeah, I would. I'd like to see it. Um. 
Yeah, I'm 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 looking at the chat to see if there's one that I'm thinking. I mean, I've never been to a Final Four for as much as I've covered and been around college basketball. I've never been to a Final Four, so um, just I, a championship, then, man. I would I would like to go to the Final Four. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's all the same. Like, if you go to the Final Four, you're also going to the title game. So you get like both tickets. Like, I mean, like if I if I was gonna go, like I would probably go to gotcha. to, to okay. work it and go yeah. to both. I got gotcha. so. Gotcha. Yeah, that'd be. Cool. That's all included. Yeah, yeah. To go to, to go to the final weekend of the NCAA tournament. Never been. I think for me, I would love to go to a World Cup game. I don't know. I see I the thing. Know. The thing is, though, it depends on where it's at. Like, I wouldn't have gone to this World Cup in Qatar or whatever it was. Yeah. But, I mean, it's just the entire world is there. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. That that'd be really cool. The Olympics, uh, never been to the Olympics. The Olympics would be really sweet. My dad coached in the Olympics, and I've never been. Never, never. Wow, ever. how about that? He was, a, he was a swimming coach in the Olympics. How about that? Swimming coach. Long time Big ago. Big time. Long time ago. Long time ago. But, yeah, I, I, I haven't been. I'd like – aren't the Olympics in L.A. in 28? I think. I, I don't know. I think they're in, tw- they're, in 28. They're coming to America, that's for sure. I think it Great is, movie. <laughs> I think it is the 28, 2028. I could be wrong. Really? 28. They're yeah. going back to Los Angeles? Yeah, I think it's in 28. Oh, my God. Yep, you got it. 2028. Now, that's something that would be really cool to cover. <laughs> I see you're disapproving of that. I mean, are you kidding me? What? Well, they'll, 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 they'll be like some of those cities like, like, like they did in, uh, whatchamacallit, like they did in um, China. They're going to have to just start covering stuff up everywhere you look, trying to get around that town. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant you were is out there, on the Olympics. No, is there a, no. Is there a uh, city that you would prefer them to go to? Cincinnati. Cincinnati, Ohio. No doubt about it. We've got the land. We've got the infrastructure. You could, you obviously, you'd have to do a lot, a lot of building, a few more venues and so forth, but absolutely. Love to see it. Love to see it. That L.A. trying to cover that or get around to watch that? Dude, you talk about a nightmare. Seriously. Yeah. It's a nightmare just to get seven miles down the road in L.A. on a regular day in June. Any given year. It's going to be crowded. You throw in the Olympic Games? Nightmare. Can have it. Um, All right. Um, So did you have an answer? What would you say? No, I, I, I hope the uh, – I, you know what? I don't really know. I, I mean, I hate to say it and it's because there are a lot of other things in life I'd like to go do. Like so people sports, would say the Masters. So for people sport, would... No, I could care less. What about, care, what about Buckeyes? Football? No, no. I, I, I've been there done that. I mean, I hate to say it, and I'm not sounding like a guy who's ungrateful for anything. Uh, I, I like to – you know, I mean, you know, but no, I mean – no, I'd have to think of there are a lot of other things that I just find that, that, I mean, that are much more appealing to me than going to a Masters or going to, and, and, and a lot of the places that were in the bucket list in the chat, going to Lambeau. I've been to Lambeau, and it's awesome. Been to a World Series game at Yankee Stadium. Unbelievable. Well, been to about? a Super Bowl game. Unbelievable. Been, um, you know, don't care about the NBA Finals. Um, been to a Final Four. Well, what about just your bucket list then? What is something I'd have to think list? about that a little bit. Physically, there are, there are some things I wish I could do because I would really love to be able to go and one day, like, you know, go up to the top and say Kilimanjaro, somewhere like that. 
That would be really cool. Now, that would be, I think, pretty cool. But that would be. I don't know physically I'd be able to handle that. You're allowed to drink beer on the top of Kilimanjaro <laughs> once you get there. Miller High Life. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll see you. Uh, don't go down that road, Casey. I know where you're going. All right. We will, uh, Casey, Paul, thank you. Yep. Uh, we got to get a big powwow to get to around here. If you have any suggestions for the show, you know, we're starting to look ahead now and getting ready for the fall and football starting up and all that kind of thing. Training camp. We, I know we got the draft this week. We have the schedule after that. But we got some, some, some moving parts here. So if you have any suggestions for the show, especially those of you that join us regularly, something you'd like to see us do or not do, that's fine. Love to hear from you. So until tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern time, Tom Brenneman from Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Have a great rest of your Tuesday.